obvious one is always going to be money and you know making sure making sure you've got enough or that you're going to get enough uh, to keep things going you know money's the, the oxygen of, of business hello this is episode number 11 and you've tuned in to the toxic fox show i'm diana barnett your host and each week i invite entrepreneurs and conscious business owners who give a damn about sustainability, ethics, health, wellness, and future generations. To have a conversation with us and tell their story to inspire you on your journey and to connect you with like-minded people. This episode is sponsored by sevencanaries.com.au. My guest today is Martin Gleeson. Martin is the co-founder for the following companies, Arctisma, the Electron Workshop, a co-working space, and Servisaurus, the first sustainable, socially conscious Australian web hosting company and one of the founding members of the B Corp movement here in Australia. I chose to change my hosting to Servisaurus recently because they are a B Corp and I'm working my way towards getting my B Corp accreditation. If you'd like to know more about Arctisma and Servisaurus' journey towards the B Corp accreditation, there's a four-part blog post on their website, and I'll put direct links to that in our show notes on thetoxicfoxshow.com. Let's head over to the interview. I started asking Martin, does he remember when he became aware of fairness in the workplace and why he gives a damn? I guess it became, originally, I guess the social part comes first, uh, and that's that's from Oh, from when I was, I could trace it back as far as when I was 12, mm-hmm. um, when I had my very first job, um, which was delivering um, medicine for the local chemist. Right. And so I got paid $1.50 an hour right. uh, to ride my bike around delivering prescriptions to people who couldn't come and pick them up. Yep. So they're often, you know, housebound or mm-hmm. had some sort of uh, issue preventing them from from doing it or they just, you know, they had a relationship with a pharmacist and he, he, he delivered the medicine. So um, anyway, this was in oh, this was in 1980. Uh, so for a 12-year-old, $1.50 was a you know, fair bit of money, $1.50 an hour. Mm-hmm. So I was supposed to work 9 to 12 on a Saturday morning, but oftentimes there was more to do and I wouldn't finish till 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock. But every week the pharmacist would hand me $4.50 and right. I, I'd have to say to him, no, it's 1 o'clock or it's one thirty or it's 2 o'clock. Yep. And to get him to pay me what I'd earned. Wow, that was big of a 12-year-old. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess it was <laughs> – I just didn't want to be ripped off. <laughs> and, you know, well, like when, you, when you're actually working, you're counting it as you go, you know. Yep. Especially if you're 12 years old. Yeah. You know, you're thinking how many paddle pops you can buy or, or whatever it is. Um, that, that's your, that, that's the passion of your life, you know, at the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. So when someone, you know, steals, I mean, a dollar fifty was, that's probably, you know, at the time, I think it would have been, you know, five or six paddle pops. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, I didn't want him taking those off me. So, um, yeah, it didn't sort of occur to me that I was doing anything courageous. It was just, well, you know, this is what you owe me. Maybe you forgot. And I mean, it became apparent for a while after a while that no, he wasn't forgetting it. This was just his way of uh, of doing things. And so that was my my first experience with you know with someone who 
who just wasn't doing things, you know, the honest way. Yeah. And then uh, later in life, uh, I worked for another boss who was the classic psychopath boss. Mm-hmm. Um, who I'd done some I'd done some consulting work for prior to working for him full time, and the consulting work was fine, and it was you know mutually respectful and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, once I started uh, working for the guy, um, it readily became apparent that he just didn't treat people well at all. You know, when they're working for him full time, it was uh, he would have been um, better off running a, a salt mine. Right. Um, was, or something in, um, yeah, back in, uh, you know, medieval England. Um, and it was, we, Nick and I actually both worked for the same company. Right. And had a similar sort of experience. And so we just sort of wanted to have, um, and, you know, I, I, I always wanted to be the sort of boss that I would like to have as a boss. And, and it's not as though I never sort of viewed that as anything special. It was just like treat people the way you expect to be treated and, that should be the default position, not anything that you should be congratulated for or anything like that. So, if someone comes to work for Artismus, Artisma, sorry, what can they expect to to be part of their? Um, um, I guess you know, being you know, there's the basic things about being treated with respect. Uh, other other things are, um, I guess, a degree of autonomy. Um, we think that's really important for, for people to be able to do their work in their own way mm-hmm. and bring a bit of their own personality um, to their work. Mm-hmm. Um, and the expectation, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes, sometimes things that are missing that are important too. Like um, some em- employers want to sort of constantly look over the shoulder or monitor their employees to make sure they're doing the work that they're supposed to do and all that sort of stuff. Um, whereas, we don't do that. It, it's, you know, pe- people want to work. I think they work worse when someone's looking over their shoulder. I don't like doing that when someone's looking over my shoulder. Um, so I don't expect to, to be able to do that for the people I work for, um, work with, sorry, um, or work for me. So, if, but if they're working in autonomy, what sort of um, lifelines do you put in place for them to be able to put their hand up and say, I need help or I'm not too sure where I'm going? Or Well, we, ha- we have fairly sort of constant communication anyway. Yep. And we, we sort of try and be the ones who are always checking in and saying, you know, how, how things going? What do you need? Um, or would make it easier to, you know, to do your job or to do it better? You know, it, it's, it's important to ask those sort of questions, I think. Yep. Um, so going back to your- waiting for the, for your employee to come and ask. Right. And that actually, that actually, um, that principle, I guess, uh, itself is, is a good one. Particularly uh, when it comes to uh, treating your staff equally, mm-hmm. um, especially between men and women, um, there's, there's, this, this is something that's sort of something that I've been uh, thinking about for quite a while, uh, and 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 looking into all the research um, that goes into the the pay gap between men and women, mm-hmm. and, and there's there's uh, there's things that are things that are explained by, uh, you know, in terms of that pay gap, you know, part of it's constituted by obviously uh, women taking time out from the workforce um, and then there's a, a sort of career stall while they're out of the workforce. There's also choice of choice of professions and um, often uh, the professions that are predominantly chosen by women tend to be lower paid and mm-hmm. that also may be, you know, have, have something to do with the fact that they are predominantly chosen by women and men can get away with paying them less because they're, uh, you know, doing doing something out of 
passion or really enjoying it yep. more so than just wanting to be paid for it. Yep. Um, and but then there's there's things that aren't explained by all that, and there's there's a bit of um, research into the sort of psychology of how men tend to ask for more money, ask for, ask for pay rises more more often. Um, they tend to think they're worth more than they potentially are worth in a salary sense, um, and ask for that. Yeah. Uh, and, and by and large, I mean this is obviously not true of all women or all men, but uh, you know, by and large, women don't tend to to ask as much for a higher salary or um, advancement as much. So what that means to me is that um, rather than simply accepting that, then we, you know, the employer should be the one that's proactive in making sure um, that people are treated equally uh, in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so this is a passion project of yours. How how else are you going to take it out to the wider world rather than just within Arctisma? Yeah. So one one way that I've uh, planned this year to uh, take it further out into the wider world is um, in a particular area, which is superannuation. Mm-hmm. Um, so the problem is that because of this pay gap and because of all those other factors. Uh, women end up at the end of their career with a lot less superannuation that, than men do. Yep. And this was really this was really brought home to me when the current government started discussing their higher education in air quotes reforms, which involved increasing the price for degrees and more importantly making the um, instead of indexing those costs to inflation making them a, a commercial loan, a commercial interest rates. Mm-hmm. It's obviously much higher than yeah. uh, than inflation. And so what that meant was that for a, I can't remember which degree it was, but perhaps law or something, that, that at the end of their time paying back um, the degree, then the average woman would pay something like $50,000 more than the average man be, for the same degree because of that time out of the workforce and the fact that the interest on the on – the, um, Right. Helped it was still accumulating during that time. So what we've decided to do is to explore some different ways to try and bridge that gap with superannuation. Mm-hmm. And at first, we're thinking of doing something um, a bit more uh, provocative and possibly that transgresses the Fair Work Act and is a bit discriminatory, um, mainly to to bring this issue into the the public spotlight mm-hmm. and, and that will be to simply pay women more super than we pay men. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've done some sort of preliminary calculations looking at, you know, the average man versus the average woman in terms of, uh, you know, taking say 10 years out to uh, to have kids and raise a family and what rate you would have to pay someone to end up with the same amount of super. Yeah. Uh, given those gaps um, in their career, and it works out to about five percent. Yeah. More super, which is actually not a great deal of money. Basically, that amounts to about one point seven percent of the total payroll. Mm-hmm. So, so in theory, you can fix this problem by an increase of one point seven percent in your payroll, which is pretty amazing, actually. How, yep. how deep it is to to redress a, a pretty serious wrong. Um. So, I'm actually in discussion at the moment with um, with our legal advisors just to see what the what the potential exposure is of doing something like that. Given that it it could be um, seen as discriminatory um, because we're simply just saying, okay, if you're a woman, we're going to pay you more super than if you're a man. Yep. Um, and we 
uh, need to sort of quantify what the what the potential cost is of that, and it might be that the cost is well, okay. If there's if if we do, um, you know, if if someone brings a case, um, then you know, and if we're found um, guilty, then how much is that going to cost, and is that worth it? Um, yeah, because it may well be worth it. Um, or if someone, if a third party can bring action through Fair Work Australia or, or something like that, um, because. All of those things may have costs, but they're fantastic publicity yes. <laughs> for this issue. Um, yep. And potentially we, we'd like to work towards a more equitable uh, situation that, that works both for both for men and women because there's there's there are you know, there's there's men that take time out to raise families and women that don't. Um, there's we you know, we want to encourage more men to take time out to um, be involved in, you know, especially that early family life. Yep. Um, rather than just leaving up to leaving it all on the on the, the burden on the shoulders of women. Mm-hmm. And and then getting all the, the fun of it as well. <laughs> but- I, I I you know, I know I can I can speak from experience from when my kids were um, around the ages of sort of two or two or three up till eleven and twelve, I, I worked four days a week, um, and working four days a week is more than just losing a, a day a week and spending that with your kids. Because once you're working part time, um, you, your attitude changes and and you actually do work those hours. So if, often you're working full time, you're actually working a lot more, and a lot more of your mind space is taken up with work. Yeah, I reckon um, one of the most productive group or cohort of the workforce is the part-time mum. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, for that reason. Yeah. yeah she comes in, does her job, gets it done in that time and yep. and goes. That doesn't have you know, the luxury of, of too much time. Mm. Yeah. And also is usually under a fair bit more um, scrutiny from the average em- employer to, um, you know, because you're doing something different yeah. Yeah. to what's usually done. So, that, will that be an Arctisma project or will that be yes. a Martin project? No, no, that, that, that's an Arctisma project. Okay. Um, so, we're, we're, we're also thinking about the, the sort of phase two of this, which is when I was talking about making it more equitable, if we had some sort of scheme where basically if someone goes on parental leave for a period of time, they just simply keep getting paid their super. Yep. Um, and, well, I mean, we still have other... There's other problems to solve. There's other part of that, you know, the the, the gender pay gap, and um, uh, you know, the advancement issue, sort of career advancement issue, and there are other problems to solve at a, at, a, at another time. But I think this one, so so whether it's government funded or business funded, or or the option is to to catch up the super after someone comes back to the workforce. Mm-hmm. Probably the easiest, probably the simplest thing is to to simply keep paying them their their superannuation. Well, yep. uh, and it might require a bit of uh, sort of courageous thinking because you, when, when you're thinking about this, you, th- you also think about, well, what are the responses from going to be from the usual suspects? Mm-hmm. Like like what if someone doesn't come back to the workforce? Um, and, and most of those can be can be worked out. That's, that's just the detail. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's my attitude that if, if someone's getting into those sort of questions, then they actually agree in principle and they're just working out the detail. Yeah. Yep. Um, they probably may not think that way, but that's yeah. how, that's that's how you're going to take it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I've learned in business is that if you're negotiating something, then the first person to get their deal down on the table is the one that is going to do best out of it because yep. all of the discussion is around that deal. It's, 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 um, it's not a completely different deal. Right. 
Okay. So it's important to get to get your get your position out first, I think, and yep. then you're you know more likely to have okay. Well, let's you know people will probably agree in principle, and then then you're just into the detail. So you've won the major battle. Yep. Uh, and and it's being talked about and it, and, it, and something's happening um, and then you know you can take your time to, to sort out the detail and make sure it all works okay so that'd be your one piece of advice to entrepreneurs and um, business owners um, yeah. yeah I'll come back and if we'll see if there's any others if we can just have a look at Actisma is an umbrella company for two businesses mm-hmm. um, being Servosaurus and Electron Workshop. Yep. But Artisma um, itself um, is one of the founding B Corps in Australia. Um, yes. Can you just tell me uh, how did you hear about B Corp and why B Corp? Uh, so I guess we, we just heard about B Corp through um, having our eyes and ears open in that conscious business uh, space mm-hmm. um, through Nick and I through our reading on the internet Um we both tend to uh, read fairly widely uh, on the internet in those areas that are of interest to us. And, and uh, so it's something that we've known about for, for quite a while. Yep. And we, something that we've wanted to do in, in the sense that we always felt our business was just like a B Corp, shared values, um, having those, the social and environmental responsibility. Um, and so we were sort of doing the B Corp thing without even being a B Corp, right? Um, but we thought, well, this is a this is a, it's a worthwhile movement. It's you, you have um, there's advantages to to numbers, mm-hmm. and obviously publicity and so on. And also, it's a good uh, it's a good shortcut to to explaining explaining what your values are. If someone knows what a B Corp is, and you say you're a B Corp, then they know what you're about. <laughs> um, so that's a great sort of shorthand in in. Uh, Sort of introducing your values to someone as a business. So, what proportion of people you speak to know have heard about a B Corp? Uh, oh, fairly low. Yeah. <laughs> um, at this stage, so uh, I mean, we we do tend to seek out businesses that are more likely to be aware of it than not, I suppose, in the in that mm-hmm. uh, you know the conscious business space. Um, so many of those are, but obviously not not so many of uh, other. Other businesses that aren't as heavily involved in in that sort of uh, space, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it is growing uh, over time. The, the um, I'm finding more and more people know what what they are. Um, I, I sort of when when sort of talking about our company, I usually sort of say a few things and then mention we're we're a B Corp and they go, oh, B Corporation, you know, I know what that is and that's great. And I go, oh, excellent. Well, I don't have to explain everything now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's good when you're all talking in the same language and you've got the same paradigm to work from. Exactly, exactly. It's it's like being in a foreign country and you find someone who speaks your language. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, what was the process of becoming a B Corp, and how? I mean, was it easy for you? Uh, it was. I'd say in the end, it was relatively easy, and that was because we had a bit, little bit of help. We found uh, an intern who uh, was passionate about this sort of stuff mm-hmm. and wanted wanted to help. Um, someone go through the process of becoming a B Corp. Um, so the process is that you do an online assessment. So you, you take a sort of first first draft at it, you go through all the, there's about 200 questions or maybe even more than that actually covering all sorts of different aspects of your business. And that's that's quite an interesting process and a great learning experience. Um, and that's not just from 
a point of view of uh, working out what you need to do to be to get the, the accreditation, but also you learn a bit more about your business and about the things things you are doing, the things you aren't doing that you could be doing. It's good to confirm that a lot of the things you're doing are, are good and valued um, by the B Corp accreditation process, mm-hmm. and it also helps. You know, being a small business. Generally, your uh, documentation and things like employee handbooks or uh, stuff like that probably lags behind larger organisations. Yep. Uh, so for us, it was a really great opportunity to to put down in writing those values that we all know in our own heads, but that we also you know have to. I mean, we do we do want to still have you know conversations with our staff and and new staff. Um, but it also is great to actually write all that stuff down and put it in the employee handbook um, so that can be part of the uh, the sort of collateral of the business. So three questions that come to mind is where can one go to get an intern? <laughs> <laughs> That's- uh, ours was from Interns Australia or let me just think. Well, if, if oh, you- the, in, the intern group. Intern group, okay. So it's theinterngroup.com slash Australia. Okay. And th- these are these are people who um, more often than not they've done done some university. Um, they're wanting to – they're from – our chat was from um, the UK. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oftentimes they're, they're from the UK or Europe. They want to – they want to see Australia, and who doesn't? Let's face it. Yep. Uh, and so they can come here, um, do a bit of work, and see the place at the same time, and have a bit of it, sort of like a working holiday. Yep. Uh, and of course, we get the advantage of um, them doing some work for us. That's fantastic. Yeah, yep. and I, I, I was a little bit, um, a little bit reticent at first mm-hmm. um, because. The whole idea of internships can be a little bit complicated, especially if you're a, a conscious business. So I, I, I really don't like the idea of not paying someone for their work. Yes, um, I'm with you on that one. Often internships, uh, well, some some companies use them as um, a way to get a lot of free labour. Yeah. Um, and I guess you know, while whilst we weren't approaching it from that point of view, and we also like we wanted to try and pay our intern. <laughs> But they weren't allowed to because of the, the the deal, you know, the terms and conditions of their internship. They they couldn't come here because um, I don't think they were getting a working visa. Right, right. Um, so they couldn't work for pay. Um, but they, you know, part of their thing is to get their accommodation provided and uh, things like that. They actually pay for the internship program. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I, I sort of had to had to you know work through that and. Be, be comfortable with that, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you know, in, in in talking to our to our intern, uh, his name's Josh. It was for him. It was invaluable experience to you know come across the other side of the world and um, meet people and help someone you know on their journey to become a B Corp. So I think for us, it was a sort of win win uh, situation. Yeah. Um, we weren't we weren't sort of taking advantage of. We didn't feel like we were taking advantage of him. He didn't feel taken advantage of. Everyone got something out of it. Excellent. Um, so, so yeah, that, that worked really well. Um, my next question that came out of that is what resources did you tap into to help you, i.e. get your templates for the handbook, et cetera? Uh, so the Victorian State Government has some great uh, templates for small businesses. Mm-hmm. They have um, some really good resources for, for small businesses starting out. 
things like templates for, for business plans, um, for, for the you know employee handbooks, all sorts of different things that, that a, a small business might need. Are they uh, easy to find on the, on the website? Um, yeah, they are. They are. Okay. It's you know, a, a simple search you know, with the obvious terms. Okay, okay. I'll, uh, I'll find those things. Yep. Yeah. And then my next question that came out of that was, so you went through this. What was one thing you found was an area that you need to work on in the uh, B Corp assessment? Yeah, one thing that um, we thought we could we could do with is uh, some more uh, independent governance. So one of the areas of the B Corp assessment that um, one of the one of the areas they examine is is the governance of the company, and so w- whether you have a board of directors, and if so. Um, is there representation from different stakeholders like employees or um, or customers or suppliers or independent, particularly independent uh, directors? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that we're going to explore over time. Yep. Um, for for Electron Workshop itself, um, we have had uh, it's not running at the moment, yep. but in the, in the first couple of years. Uh, we had a board um, that we actually called the sounding board um, because it was a it was a way of sort of getting some advice from some people who had a bit more experience in business than we did. Mm-hmm. Um, we had so there was Nick and I and two independent uh, board members. Yep, and yeah, that was that was uh, really valuable uh, for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that that's one area we could we could do to work on. Right. So, what benefits have come out of it directly? Of being a B Corp? Uh, I guess the benefits are, like I said before, obviously that the, the shortcut to people understanding what you're on about mm-hmm. um, and the connections to other sort of like-minded people and businesses in the business community I think are really valuable. So when it comes to doing things like this superannuation initiative that I want to do, um, I'm already tapping into uh, other companies. So I've gone and see a, a legal counsel that's a, a B Corporation I'll be going to see to talk to other B corporations to try and get them on board. Yep. To get them to, to sort of sign up to do something uh, along these lines mm-hmm. if, they, if they want to um, to get a bit of a bit of uh, a few numbers behind us. It's always uh, good to have that. So it's been, I guess, most useful for those for those type of things. Mm-hmm. So giving you a really good strong network of like-minded people. Yes. yes right. Definitely. Okay. You're listening to Martin Gleeson, a co-founder of Servisaurus and the Electron Workshop. This conversation is sponsored by sevencanaries.com.au and I'm Diana Barnett, your host. So you've mentioned Nick, your business mm-hmm. partner. You've been in business together for, what, 10, 11 years? Yep. Um, you hear horror stories about business partners and business is busting up. How have you and Nick made it work? And what advice would you give others? Uh, my, I guess my advice we've we've made it work. Um, I guess by by always deciding that we want it to work, mm-hmm. and and to try and just keep, keep communication going as as openly as as possible, mm-hmm. um, and as and as often as possible. And I suppose that's the key to any. Uh, any effective relationship yep. is, is communication and making sure um, you're hearing the other person or persons and and also that they're you're being heard um, so we've had 
we've had ups and downs and, and oftentimes the downs are when maybe we're not communicating so well. Maybe we get caught up in being busy um, and just trying to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. And if that goes on for too long, then you often you can find yourself diverging or having sort of different ideas. Um, there was a there was a period where uh, we sort of weren't, weren't doing that so well, and also I could um, I could pick up that Nick wasn't too happy just in general. Um, luckily, I've got a business partner that uh, is fairly transparent. Yeah. <laughs> In, in terms of, uh, you know, if he's not happy, you know he's not happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, makes it easier. Um, which is, it, do, it does. And um, I, I'm probably, maybe I'm less easy to read or maybe I'm just, a bit, I think I'm a bit more emotionally on a on a steady uh, keel. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty easily pleased and pretty happy most of the time. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, that, and that, that sort of precipitated us, you know, having a, having a chat. And he was generally unhappy with um, just the, living in the city and um living in a cramped apartment uh with his partner and uh he and having to if he wanted to go he loves to surf um he loves to get out there uh on his own yeah and so yeah we decided you know as a as an experiment to see how it worked um he he's moved down to a little place near Torquay uh he works remotely mm-hmm. uh so we have to um, you know, communicate online and and via phone quite a bit, but that actually works really, really well. Um, I'm surprised at how well it works. So, uh, what have you set up? I mean, you must have set up some processes really to help that. Yeah. So we have um, we use a piece of software called HipChat in our in our business, mm-hmm. and that has uh, sort of multiple channels. So so we've got a channel for for Serviceaurus that our Serviceaurus staff are in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got another one for the electronic workshop, um, as well as private sort of person-to-person channels. Yeah. Um, so you can just be chatting throughout the day. Um, you can you can actually catch up on what other chatter has, has gone on. Yeah. Um, we, we found sort of like w- once you get used to it, um, even though it's you know, so it's a, it's a different. You got to you've got to go through the mind shift um, yep. of a different way of working. But once you do that and get used to it, then it has, actually has lots of other advantages. So, for example, I went away on holidays um, in January yeah. uh, for, for a couple of weeks. Um, and when I got back, I could actually go through all of the conversations that had gone on and catch up without have to, having to take up anyone's time in them debriefing me, mm-hmm. uh, which was tremendously valuable. Um, we also have to do some other things like uh, make sure we um, you know, have, a, have a phone conversation uh, once a day or once every second day, we have uh, a series of uh, meetings as well where we get together, whether it's virtually or in person, um, once a month to to sort of talk about the individual businesses mm-hmm. and uh, sort of once a year to take a more longer term view um, yep. to look back on the previous year and then look towards the the coming year and work out what our our main goals will be for the year. Um, yeah, so that's when when you're sort of not physically around each other, uh, it tends to make it, uh, well, it's more important and more obvious that you need to do those sort of. Uh, and, and work on it. Yeah, and, and have, have a, a, a more uh, structured approach to, to communication and, and to having those meetings and doing those things. So putting that aside, what's the biggest challenge that Servisaurus or your or Arctismus as a whole, or one of the three entities that you deal with, what's the biggest challenge you 
faced that's been a real, you know? Um, apart from, well, I mean, the obvious one is always going to be money. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, making sure making sure you've got enough or that you're going to get enough yep. uh, to keep things going. You know, money's the, the oxygen of, of business. Cash flow. Cash flow. Um, I guess the the challenges for us, apart from that, have been uh, just doing doing the things that we know we have to do, but we don't necessarily want to do. Right. And this is a challenge I think that all small business um, people face. You've got chores. Chores are one thing, and then there's there's other things that you probably should be doing that aren't in your comfort zone. That um, you know, to give you an example. For Servosaurus, we that's the main part of the business of Archisma, yep. and we we needed to grow that uh, mm-hmm. quite a, quite a bit. We sort of sat down at the start of or the end of 20, 2014, and we'd done this at the beginning of twenty fourteen to to work out okay what what do we want to do, and then at the end we said okay well let's have a plan for how we're going to get our our sales to a certain level and our turnover to a certain level to within a specific time frame because that's where we want to be and to work that back each month to have you know t- monthly targets of how much sales we want to do and how many new customers we want and uh, all that sort of stuff and then yep. that means well that meant that okay so we've got to do sales and how are we going to do sales well we we in in 2014 we tried uh, employing a, a salesperson yes doing straight sales and that was uh, it was. It had pluses and minuses. I guess mm-hmm. on, on the on the plus side, we got to listen in and work out how someone does that. Yes. Um, and then on the minus side, it cost a lot of money, and we didn't get a lot out of it <laughs> in terms of uh, customers. But that's because we didn't do it for for very long, and also the person we were doing it couldn't manage to get themselves to stop saying "servers are us" instead of "server source." Oh, okay. <laughs> Which was really annoying. <laughs> it was just one of those quirk things. He, the first time he'd read it, he thought it was servers are us, and then it just stuck, it stuck in his stuck head. Stuck in his head, yeah. 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 So, so for me, um, so I, well, I'm I'm the obvious choice for a salesperson because I'm the extrovert. Yep. And so I had to sort of look down, look at look at myself, and go, okay, Martin, you've got to do sales, and you don't like doing it. I, I, it's not comfortable for me because it's it's just out of my comfort zone. But over the past year and a bit, I've taught myself how to do it. Yes. Um, read books, gone on some little courses, soaked up information, and just you know. And but getting getting to sit down and actually doing it, actually making you know, because it, it involves making cold calls. Um, and yeah, I've just had to get used to doing that. And it and it can be tough too because I mean the the thing I've I've looked at sales in a whole lot of different industries, and it all boils down to the same thing is. Is you've got to go through, you know, nineteen phone calls or, or contacts with people to get someone who's both ready to change their supplier and or they're unhappy with their existing supplier and they're ready to change. Yes. So some most people will be happy with their supplier. Some are unhappy, but they don't want to change. But then you get the one that is happy to change and is ready and it, and you called at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you've got to go through. 19, 17, 18, 19 knockbacks before you get to that one. And that's the hard part, especially when you get up into the 15, 16, 17 mark. And especially when you're selling your own thing. 
Yes, yeah, yeah. Some salespeople, it's really easy for them because they're not. It's not. They don't have anything emotionally invested in it. It isn't something that they built themselves. They're just selling it. Yes. Um, but it can be a bit different when it's your thing and you're calling people day in day out, and they're just not interested. <laughs> um, that can be a, a bit of a hard. So how do you go about that? Do you book in? You, do you set aside a certain amount of time a day, a week to yeah, do that? I do. And- so, so I set aside uh, two to three hours a day. Um, I actually have it uh, blocked out in my calendar each afternoon from Monday to well Monday to Thursday from two to five. Yep. Um, and I have to just go. I go to a meeting room in the workshop, and I have to just do calls and do account management. So I have, I have goals of like I've got to call four people a day. And sometimes it might be just a case of, you know, calling them and um, sending them an email. Um, I might get into a conversation um, if it's a good day. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just it's putting those uh, and, and, and sort of having the attitude of, okay, every knockback is a step closer to the one who's going to say yes. <laughs> yes. So you have to do all these. I mean, you just have to do these psychological tricks on yourself. Yeah, every <laughs> to, door, uh, one door closes, up. another one opens. Yes, yes, all, all, <laughs> those, all those sorts of things. Um, yeah. So, do you have any tools that you particularly use? Um, you know, to keep yourself organised and get you doing that sort of thing. Um, so I use I, I, I heavily use the the built in stuff um, on my Mac, like the calendar and reminders. Um, I use that a lot, and also use um, High Rise, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a sort of lead management, contact management uh, utility mm-hmm. um, that's online. And so Highrise lets you enter in your contact details. You can set follow-up times um, so it reminds you um, who you've got to call. We also integrate it with our, our system that we use to manage our uh, customer database and, and invoicing and, and so forth for Service Aurus mm-hmm. so that when we get a, a new customer sign-up, it automatically creates them as a, a contact in high rise and it sets a, a reminder to give them a call uh, like two weeks after they sign up yep. just to make contact and say hello and ask them about their their experience so far and ask them if there's anything they need. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do, we do it for not just sales but that account management side of thing because mm-hmm. that, I, I always have believed that's a really important part of um, sales. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be talking to your existing customers and taking care of them because they are your customers. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's. Um, I always hate how cust- how some companies. You're not an important customer until you're about to leave, or you've already decided to leave. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all we, we all see this when we um, if we change electricity providers or phone providers. Um, all of a sudden, when they get the request to leave, they're all over you, giving you special offers and things and. And my attitude is, well, the time for that has expired. <laughs> yeah, had a chance to do that while I was with you. So, so obviously, I want to bring that to my own business, and yeah, to to take care of our existing customers because they're the ones that um, pay the bills for us. Mm-hmm. So, who are your existing customers? Uh, so we we have um, we do partnerships with uh, web development agencies, mm-hmm. and so obviously their customers become our customers. Yep. And we have uh, we've got a range of we've got about a thousand customers, mm-hmm. um, lots of small businesses, um, some of the larger ones, the National Heart Foundation. Um, we host we have hosted some stuff for State Government of Victoria, Film Victoria, uh, the Royal Wounds Hospital. Yep. Uh, we're about to go live with. Uh, the Australian Ballet. So yeah, we've got a we've got a bunch. 
Um, we've got a bunch of other ones who um, prefer us not to mention them as yep. customers. Um, I'm not sure why, but some people don't like to, yep. to do that, which is fine. Um, yeah. So we, but we, we chiefly like to form partnerships with uh, web development agencies so that they've got um, a reliable, local, uh, Australian-owned and operated business-grade supplier mm-hmm. that they can trust for their customers that are, um, you know, wanting to have a good experience coming to them. So you're predominantly an Australian provider. Yes. Yeah. Do you do work? Do you would you or do you do host for overseas? Uh, we do. We do a little bit, um, but we don't pursue it. Um, yep. It's not. It, that's not a, a major concern to, to us. Yeah. Uh, so we've got oh, maybe maybe a dozen customers out of the country. Mm-hmm. But yeah, most, vast majority are, are here in Australia. Right. So we we um, Australia and in particular Melbourne as well um, mm-hmm. because we I like to go and so when I doing that sales process and and trying to meet someone new and get in front of them I like to go out and, and meet them in person yeah uh, that's something that web development companies generally don't do or sort of web web hosting companies generally don't do yes um, often they like to just stay in their office and do their thing but mm. I like to get out and meet people so so what makes you different from other web hosters. Uh, well, that that certainly is one of the key things of, yep. of, uh, of you know having that strong contact with the customer and getting an understanding of their business, mm-hmm. um, so that we can do our job better for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so understanding what their needs are, what their what the difficulties they've, they've encountered in the past with web hosting. Um, so you know to know what those pain points are, so we can make sure we avoid them um, and just give them a, a really Smooth and reliable um, experience with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. But you, I um, mean, you are green. Yes, we're 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 actually the first uh, Australian service sources, the first Australian web host to be uh, 100% carbon neutral. Um, so since 2007, uh, we've been partnering with Greenfleet, supporting Greenfleet planting trees um, to offset our emissions. Yep. And we've also we've gone above and beyond just offsetting our emissions. Um, We've had uh, campaigns where we've told people if they like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter, we'll plant a tree um, for every every like. And we did that, I think, two years ago. Uh, we're also part of a movement called One Percent for the Planet, mm-hmm. which, which is was started by the uh, Yvonne Chonyard, who's the founder of Patagonia. Yep. In in that movement, the companies involved in it donate one percent of their sales to environmental causes can you choose what environmental cause yes yes you can um, and the so it's a one percent on sales so it's a sales tax yep on yourself it's not a a one percent of your profit it was originally one one percent of your profit but companies being you know well there's 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 two approaches some companies being what they are can easily minimize their profits for their own purposes others Maybe a non-profit, and maybe, or maybe a, a not-for-profit, um, in that they don't make much uh, profit, and their their business is geared that way. Um, but the the principle is that it's a so it's a sales tax. So you you have to do it on your sales rather than your profits. So so that that's much more of a discipline yeah. and a productive thing to do um, than uh, worrying about you know financial statements and profits mm-hmm. and so on i mean every month you know exactly how much you've sold so mm. um yeah that's something that we've we've always liked to to support and another part of that uh i guess our environmental support is that 
um, in our employee handbook. Um, we have one, uh, we have a condition of employment that if you, uh, if an employee takes some time off to participate in a environmental protest and they are arrested, then we'll bail them out of jail. <laughs> have you had to do it? No, not yet, unfortunately. But <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, we're waiting for the first one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> We, we couldn't uh, we couldn't get anyone down to Tasmania quick enough to be uh, bailed out, to be arrested with Bob Brown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, okay, so what's one piece of advice you'd like to or tip that you'd like to give a conscious business owner? Um, I guess my main tip is um, is is don't be afraid. Be be prepared to to be yourself and to put your your values and your ethics way out front. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, sometimes people might be a bit fearful about that, about how they're perceived by other businesses. And, and I'd just say, you know, forget about what, forget particularly about the thoughts of businesses that you don't like. It's, it's, it's often funny that, um, we worry more about the opinions of people that we actually don't respect. Yes, than yes. those that we do, <laughs> and um, so if if you if you are worried about what it, that another business may not think that you're uh, serious enough, if you're supporting environmental issues and so forth, mm-hmm. then you really shouldn't be worried about what they think because um, they're not on your same wavelength regards, you know, values, and and they're so, attracting a different lot of people. Exactly, and and uh, you know you want to attract the sort of people who are. In, in simpatico with your with your values, um, so you've really got to put put those values up front. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so so when you come, uh, you know, to our, ho- our home page, we've got like on on Service Aurus homepage, it, it says do business with good people, and it's got our um, our one percent for the planet and our B Corp and our Green Fleet um, right up front. Yeah, so okay. that people know exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And if they don't like it, then there's plenty of other people down the street. <laughs> <laughs> One last question is: um, What is the best um, social media platform for people to find you on? Uh, Twitter or Facebook? Mm-hmm. Um, we, there's a there's a we do a fair bit on on Twitter, Facebook, and we we post our when we do a, a, a blog or a or some other you know sort of announcement. Um, it goes out on on those channels, so okay. uh, definitely get on those. And I know that um, if people want to find out about your B Corp journey, you've done it for blog posts on that and they can read a bit yes. more detail about that too on yes. your website. I'll put links in the show notes for you okay, uh, so nice. people can go there and I'll put links to your um, your social media as well in the show notes for people if they want to do it. So thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me and having the patience through all the technical issues that we've had trying to oh, have that, this interview. That's <laughs> absolutely my pleasure, Diana. Thanks very much for uh, talking with me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Speak to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the conversation with Martin Gleeson. You'll find links to his websites, the blog posts on becoming a B Corp, and other links in our show notes. Also, I'll have links to his social media platforms. Some insights and tips I took from the show were do the things you know have to be done to keep the business going. Do these first and don't avoid them because you're not good at them or you don't like them. Many people will put admin and sales in here. Two, communication is very important. 
and set up daily, weekly, monthly and annual catch-ups that reflect on the past as well as focusing on strategy and tactics. And don't be afraid to put your values and ethics way out in front and keep to them. It's time for gratitude and thank you. As always, my gratitude goes to Vince Jones for the music, to the team that helps me pull this together, to Martin for coming on the show and putting up with all the technical glitches we had, and to you for listening and reviewing this show. Thank you. Till the next episode, thanks to all the awesome entrepreneurs and business owners out there that give a damn.